Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 55 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. My guests on this uh, episode are Super Tansky and Davey Moo. It was a, an emergency podcast that we decided to throw together this afternoon off the back of Prime Minister's Questions, uh, which itself was off the back of the revelations that Boris Johnson attended a garden party in the middle of lockdown to get pissed up with his colleagues. Uh, and this was an event that only weeks ago he denied even fucking knowing about. He was like, uh, yeah, I'll get to the bottom of whatever happened in my house. Uh, so we decided today to to put this emergency podcast together. And I hope it's as interesting for you to listen to and, and as entertaining as I, I found it, being a part of it and listening to Tan and Davey. Um, I will say this, that the audio quality in this episode is not quite where I would normally want it to be. Uh, if this weren't such an important episode, I'd probably hold back on putting it out. Uh, there is some quality issues. Basically, I think it's from about 15 minutes to about 20 minutes, something like that. And look, if it really annoys you, just skip past those parts. Um, uh, but I think for the most part, the episode is, uh, I, I hope, interesting and insightful. Uh, Tan and Davey are really great. And uh, yeah, I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. Um Failing that, look, if you're thinking, no, fuck this shit, uh, I'm back on Friday night with a guest, uh, a Wired magazine journalist, and we're going to be talking about teleporting. Is teleporting achievable? Do we think it's likely in the next few weeks or months or years or decades? Um, so if that sounds like it might be up your bag, then tune back in on Friday night and I'll be back uh, then. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Bye. Welcome to episode 55 uh, of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's an emergency edition of the podcast. Um, now, look, it's been it's been a very sad day for British politics. Um, appears the downfall of our greatest prime minister in recent history is happening right now in front of us in real time. Uh, Boris Johnson, whose commitment to equal opportunity saw him award the first ever cabinet role to someone with severe learning difficulties uh, in the shape of Nadine Dorries, whose love of British history saw him strive to repeat it, um, whose undying commitment to positivity saw him hire a cabinet comprised entirely of yes men. Uh, well, he's in a lot of trouble. 11 separate investigations into law-breaking parties uh, throughout various lockdowns. Most recent of those turns out to be a garden party that only a few weeks ago he seemed to have no knowledge of. Um, this afternoon, I've been keeping track of what the right-wing journalists have been saying in response to this um, and indeed to PMQs earlier. Um, prominent right-wing journalist Ian Dale was marvelling at the lack of cabinet support for Boris Johnson right now. No one's speaking up for him. Uh, just in case he quits, and then they're tarred as Johnsonites, if you like. Um, it seems to me this poor, selfless public servant, Boris Johnson, miscalculated and gave high-level government jobs to soulless careerists, but didn't stop to think that when he personally became a liability, they'd probably fuck him off. Um, and it also seems to have escaped his thought process that maybe this team of sociopaths wouldn't necessarily be loyal to a guy who's fucked over pretty much everyone who ever placed trust in him his entire life. Uh, my guests joining me tonight to discuss all this, Super Tansky and Davey Moo. Welcome to the show. Tan, let's start with you. I don't want to get all thou shalt not worship false idols with you, but um, you must be devastated <laughs> to see Johnson come undone like this. How how are you coping? Um... I'm, I've, I've had about half a <laughs> bottle of wine. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I couldn't give a shit. Um, I, it, I drank his humiliation today in PMQs because he deserved the humiliation. And I don't honestly think that he gives a shit either because he knows on some levels he's untouchable because he knows that there's no one better to replace him at the moment. Mm. They've got no one. What have they got? Like evil Thunderbird Rishi Sunak who <laughs> fucked off to Ulfracoon today to get literally as far away from Johnson as he could possibly get and then you've got Paul Market um, who, who let's face it is just like a human version of a Wallace and Gromit character um, and they also know that Johnson has successfully managed to kind of lull all the gammons into a kind of false sense of security, a kind of faux patriotism, 
he's put a spell on them and that's going to be very hard to undo and it's going to be very hard to get anyone else to replicate that so in terms of me i couldn't give a toss I, i'm happy that he looked humiliated um as he kind of gave that kind of faux uh, kind of contrition um like aspect of himself in in pmq today but um yeah i'm i think he's getting what he deserves yeah. frankly yeah i i think you're right i think he he did what he needed to do to get himself out of a sticky moment which is what he always does right like he's famous for having meetings with people and he makes various commitments to them within those meetings because that's the thing that he feels he needs to say at that moment to not be hated by the person that he's sitting opposite um that's going to be most advantageous to him as a result of him saying it um and i think today was was another episode in that story it was sort of him performatively pretending to be contrite and acknowledging or pretending to acknowledge that uh, that he understood that people were very upset and that people had made mm-hmm. great sacrifices. But I don't believe that he actually possesses the emotions you would need to really feel that way. No, 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 not at all. Um, he's a textbook narcissist. Um, all he was thinking about, that statement as well, there was like no real genuine um a kind of apology in any of it it was that very much kind of i'm sorry if you feel offended by what i've said um i don't know if that's a tactical thing because he knows that there could be like kind of possibly police involvement if the met ever find their balls in this situation um but all he cares about is johnson um if this guy would cheat on his wife and abandon his children I don't know why Dave from Dagenham is sitting down the pub thinking that Johnson's going to be like, he cares about me. He doesn't give a shit about you, Dave. He doesn't care about anyone. It's, it's, at this point, it's not a case of when, if Johnson goes, it's a case of when he goes. That's the kind of broad feeling that I'm getting from, from what I'm kind of like hearing in the news and in the media and across various platforms. Um, but either way, the Tories are having a sad day. And for me, that's a bloody good day after the last couple of years of being immersed in this nightmare. Mm. Yeah, it definitely feels like something's moved the dial and people have kind of woken up. Uh, and I've written about this in a couple of blogs where you say, like, you know, people don't like being condescended to. People don't like being like feeling like Ramonas are taking the piss out of them and so on. But they really don't like feeling like they've been taken for a ride. And that's a different feeling. Like if you've had to make a sacrifice, um, you know, the, the ultimate sacrifice, some would say, that you haven't been able to, to I don't know, see your brother, sister, mother, whoever in, in their final hours. And then you read about this sort of shit. There's a, there's a real visceral turning point there for, I think, a lot of voters. And I guess that's what we're seeing the output of now. Um Davey, what was your what was your read on PMQs today? Do you think that Johnson came off as sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a defiant, embattled prime minister fighting for his political <laughs> life? Or do you think this was the sort of death throes of a liar found out? I think I would have seen more enthusiasm for being in Parliament by a rabid Wolverine. The man looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. I like I have been to tooth extractions that I was more keen on. <laughs> than the way he acted in Parliament today. It was pathetic. And my favourite part was just, like, the thing that compounded it the most for me was, like, Poundland T-Fells, the way that they were trying to deflect. And, like, like honest, I, I literally can't believe some of the stuff I witnessed in PMQs today because you had a furious, packed set of benches on both sides of the aisle. And it went from... When is the Prime Minister going to resign for betraying everyone in this country that's made sacrifices during these lockdowns to, could the Prime Minister reassure us that uh, we're going to sort out things for washing machines? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what on what planet do you live? Like, all of your credibility rests on the fact that you turn around to your leader and hold him to account. And the thing that's bothered me the most throughout this entire thing is that we are rightly pissed off because we didn't vote for Boris Johnson. We didn't vote for the Conservatives. So they're obviously going to let us down because their aims and ours are fundamentally different. But if you were being let down by the man that you installed, why would you not be using this to hold him to account and say, you have done wrong. We are embarrassed by you. We are ashamed of your actions. And instead, it was, oh, they're all laughing about microplastics. No, they're laughing about the absurdity of your desperate attempt to draw focus away 
from the man that's presided over 150,000 deaths to talk about fucking Hoover accessories. <laughs> do, do you think there's an element of like saving face to it where people think, I don't want to hold my guy to account because then that shows my adversaries that I've gone for the wrong guy and then I'm the loser. Whereas if I continue to back my guy, even though he's treating me like a fucking idiot, then it, then I don't have to admit that I was wrong. Do you think it's something like that? Potentially, yeah. I think one of the funniest parts of it for me is the amount of times that he was like, oh, I thank the, the partisan question from the opposite bench. And I'm like, it's politics, Boris. Like, this isn't like collaboration time. We're not colouring in school under a group project. Of yeah. course you're going to be held to account. If this was like normal times, I would expect that they would be asking you questions that make you flinch. But... The, like that's what I mean like the irony of them being like well you know what it might completely remove my credibility in the eyes of my constituents and the nation at large but I'm just going to throw him a softball question and it's like carry on I said to to Tan before we started recording like it's so it's so frustrating deep down to see them defend this abhorrent man and the crap that is pulled but at the same time I'm like Yes, do it. Tie your credibility to him. And then when he's thrown overboard, you will stand there giggling like a cartoon as the rope gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And then whoop, there you all go. Yeah, that's that's my hope as well, is that he stains the reputation of... Uh, I mean, I, I sort of... I accept that there are probably some half-decent moderate Tories out there, but I hope that his reputation and his conduct stains that that sort of the right wing of the Conservative Party and especially that silver spoon Etonian cunt kind of flavour of... <laughs> like, I'm just so over it. It's like, can we... Know, I, th I think it was Ricky Gervais did a video the other week where he was just like, why do we keep accepting that just because somebody went to Eton, that means they're automatically qualified to run the country. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, can we just have a moderate, sensible, measured politician again, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Um, Tan, what was what was your read on PMQs? How do you think it went? Um, well, I think Starmer played a blinder. I think he did a really good job of articulating the anger. And he looked genuinely angry. He did look actually genuinely angry. And I know he doesn't necessarily always come across as a guy that's kind of necessarily impassioned. He seems someone that kind of keeps himself to himself, but he seemed genuinely furious. Um, and it was particularly telling that there wasn't a lot of kind of noise on the benches, on Johnson's benches. Did you notice that? Like there was a, a rousing kind of support. Yeah. And like Davey was saying, it was like a kind of mad juxtaposition of, you know, people um not being able to be there when people that were closest to them were dying and i think you know a lot of people a majority of the people in this country have probably got a story along those lines to, to varying degrees and then you've got kind of like them just throwing him soft questions but the the overarching thing was that when the questions any question was thrown to him he just all his credibility not that he ever had any in my eyes but any kind of outward credibility just fallen away like wet cake there was nothing like no one no one's taking him seriously and what i don't understand is why he'd want to continue to rule a country that fucking hates him like no one likes him and the only the only kind of like the description that i had from today was that he's like um a reverse midas in that everything that he touches turns to shit. Um, he, he corrupts everything around him. And I think James O'Brien touched on that really well in the week, is the fact that no one comes away from him, regardless of how they interact with him, without being touched in some way, <laughs> sometimes literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? No one, can, everyone gets fucked by Johnson one way or another. Um, but he, <clears throat> the corruption kind of just like seeps out and he has corrupted our politics to a point where if we don't get rid of him soon, like, or get rid of the Conservative Party, I need to make this clear, it's not just Johnson, it's the entire Conservative Party, they're all complicit in what he's done, then we face a real chance with what they're trying to implement behind the scenes of, of just losing our democracy. Um, so, yeah, as a country, we need to reject populism. But, yeah, that PMQ today was just as it often is a national embarrassment frankly yeah i mean i saw sort of shades of 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 hope and i i got the feeling that there were a lot of embarrassed faces on the tory benches and i f right yeah so. I, f I felt like 
Starmer's performance was pretty good and it gave me sort of wind in my sails that maybe things like could be different that we might actually like in at the next general election and if 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 it's not a labor majority that we might just inch some sort of coalition uh, or vastly reduce the tory majority um that that better days might come um things can only get better right <laughs> but then i ptsd but then then i sort of i put my cynic hat on and i start talking myself out of such positivity and i start thinking like if you look at the where we're at now with the electorate the support for labor great and then you think okay corbyn might break off and start his own party apparently uh then you look at who who dominates the conservative party at the moment because like since they ejected all of the moderates all the moderates were forced to leave for various reasons um who's going to decide the next leader and the answer to that question depressingly is probably people like the erg or like (laughs) the covid research group or whatever the fuck they're rebranding themselves as this week uh and i wonder I'd, i'd be interested to get both of your your views on this um given that they hold such sway in the conservative party um and they're likely to have a a pretty strong say in who becomes the next leader once we do eject Boris Johnson from power um does that do you find that depressing that they're going to basically choose a a Desmond Swain or a Marc Francois or somebody that appeals to that kind of personality or is that actually a good thing for Labour because everyone's so sick of this shit that if they do put somebody like that in power then actually it will just increase the labor lead like where where do you both sit on that davy let's let's ask you first i think looking at the broader picture of it it's it's difficult like one of the things that i think and everybody knows where i sit just to preface this but i think one of the things that has frustrated me about politics in particular over the last like five six seven years is that both major political parties just haven't really seemed to have their finger on the pulse of what the public want, what the public need. And it's more been like this kind of, what was it that they called it? A Westminster, Westminster story Westminster or something? Village story, yeah. yeah. Like, village. yeah, village story. That's it. You know, it's, it's been like that. It's like Westminster's this microcosm of the world and it doesn't actually have any impact beyond Westminster. And that's sort of not true. And that's why this, today has been really interesting because uh, tell me how many people over the country were united stood screaming at their laptops their radios their tvs listening to kia starmer go you have let people down and people around the country going yes you have you know i feel like regardless of party affiliation even if you don't support kia starmer you couldn't have watched him calling someone to account for screwing us all over and not be engaged in it and be interested in it so it was nice to know that that's happening when it comes to that, I feel like the conservative, you know, like maybe Labour will take their notes from it and understand that they need to be more open about relating to the working class, which is something I'm very passionate about at the minute. It's what all my videos yeah. are about, about embedding the knowledge of the working class. But I feel like the Tories are never, ever, ever, ever going to pick up that message. And if they keep chipping away at their support from, you, you, you know, Dave's in Cheltenham's and you... Alex is in Dagenham's and all of that. They're just, they're going to fold as a party. It's all well and good being the party of the rich and having the rich back you and having the press back you. But the people that buy those newspapers are your voters. And if they turn against you, you're screwed. So when it comes down to it, it's going to come to the point where they can elect whatever next shill leader they want. I, I feel like they've set themselves up for a massive fall. And when you look at the choices... Liz Truss is the most popular Tory in the Tory party behind David Frost. David Frost hates his own paperwork. And and Liz Truss thinks that barking dogs scare off drones. You know, like <laughs> that's that's the calibre of choice they've got. So for me, I I do I do understand where you're coming from, but I have more hope because to me, Johnson was this affable, I'm relatable because I've got silly hair and I wear a screwed up suit guy. And if he goes. A return to that establishment isn't what's going to fly. And I will stop eventually. But you can see the same thing in America, you know. They've tried to do this return to the affable businessman with Joe Biden. 
and it's failing because Joe Biden's disappointing the people that wanted this big radical change with Donald Trump. And he's disappointing the people that voted for him to get rid of Trump because for a moment it was like, oh, wow, he's, he's going to do things. And then, of course, came the, well, we need to be sensible. And I feel like that's what will happen here. It's not a general election, but it's a return to the, you know, the, the starched suit that no one likes anyway. So I think the Tory party have set themselves up to have their throats slit, whatever they do, to be honest with you. Let me come to you in two seconds, Tan. Um, there's an important point I just want to touch on there, which is in ejecting all of the moderates, um, they've basically, like, when they now when they get rid of Boris Johnson, they've left themselves with real slim pickings in terms of, like, good quality, high-caliber, talented politicians who could appeal across the board, haven't they? They've basically got a load of watered-down Boris Johnsons. Like, some some aspects of Boris Johnson's personality are more exaggerated than others. Like, Dominic Raab, for example, I get a, I get a kind of socio, sociopathic bodies under the vibe from him. Not so much, Absolutely. like, jokey, jovial. But then, on like, in, in other aspects um with uh like with pretty patel i get the sort of authoritarian vibe that uh, off her that i would get off boris johnson but again like not that jokey and jovial so um anyway sorry let's go to to tan um what's your your feel for like the erg the covid research group the fact that they're likely to have such sway in the next leader uh do you think that's good or bad for labor well i think that you've both covered all my fucking points <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree that like in the in the sense that Steve Baker is one of my biggest concerns because that guy is an evangelical nutcase and he's he's one of the people that are kind of like, like I think pulling the strings behind the scenes. Like I don't think that we can shy away from mentioning how much of a danger to society right. Steve Baker is, um, and and he's he's one of them. And um, yeah, as as you say, Johnson got rid of all of his yeah. moderates. Uh, people that you look at now and think, oh gosh, I wish they'd come back. Like people that, that, that were like Tories, but they were kind of like not not anywhere near as cunty in, in terms of being Tories. But um, and he, he did that to push through Brexit, obviously, which we all know, which was like just his, his way into power. He didn't believe in Brexit. There's numerous quotes of Johnson talking about how he thinks Brexit will be a disaster. He flipped a coin, picked a side, went with the popular choice and he constructed this brand um so yeah and then as you say when you strip back what the alternatives are you've got alan bastard um rob you've got uh, patel um who is both of which are probably textbook sociopaths yeah. <laughs> but they haven't uh, they haven't got the fluff or the edge or the kind of like um the the kind of narcissistic charisma element they're just they're just like fully american yeah. psycho so <laughs> you've got <laughs> You know, I reckon they just sit around all all day um, in the House of Commons, just fighting over who has the best kind of you know embossed um, <laughs> like business card. Um, but yeah, um, I think that once Johnson goes, it's going to be slim pickings. They know it, so that's why they've not gone over the whole voter confidence thing. Um, they're saying now what there's like fifty. Um, they're probably just queuing up their place for the next bit. But um, the, the thing that I find most odious about the entire thing is that whilst we're still in the midst of a health crisis, they're all just looking out for themselves still. Yeah. I mean, this is like a kind of new party. <laughs> this is like the new party, except it's just them. Um, instead of like partying in the garden, they're all scrambling around trying to think about how they can look better in the eyes of the public and get the media back on side who have probably little choice but to turn on them because of how how the public opinion is so strong on this that even the media are going right well okay suicide for us if we don't you know say something about this so um yeah that was that was a big thing for me like at the beginning of the um of the pandemic i never dreamt in a million years that they would be so self-serving and out for the donors i never <laughs> thought they'd be so ballsy as to to, to to willingly fuck people over for, like, to further their own situation. I never, 
It's it's quite shocking, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at the the the, the thing that came out about the VIP lanes today about how they were illegal, which we all fucking knew. I mean, anyone that's been making political content over the last couple of years will be sitting here, kind of with all this coming out, feeling obviously very very sad and angry at the sacrifices that people have made and and the fact the government have made absolute mugs of people. They've made people feel bad for doing something that's uh, moral. And I, I, I hope people realise that what they did was not um, kind of like that it was still a moral choice. It's that, that we're better than those fuckers in charge. That's the, that's what I hope people realise. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's just been it's been insult to injury for many years. And now it's just catching up with them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what it what it takes is somebody in like say fleet street somebody in sky news somebody in bbc news to actually go out on a limb and say right let's publish this and that seems to have happened like in the last sort of three four months they've actually decided to hold the government to account that's the only thing that i can think that is different that's that's managed to expose this kind of fuckery to to regular people because we all know people who like you'd you'd rant at them in the pub or like over the phone and you'd be like can you believe this shit this is so corrupt it's so amoral and then your mates would just go like ah shut up with your boring politics stuff but for some reason now it's like ignited everyone's angry about it and i the only thing i can think of is that 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 period where the daily mail really went in on him like that whole is anyone in charge in number 10 like that thing that was for Mm. me what lit the fire underneath everyone's arse you know yeah i agree but maybe some of the journalists were concerned because they're trying to change the official secrets act to make anything that's embarrassing to the government um (laughs) punishable under that law so you can imagine but then i think there's been this kind of act of defiance you can't you can't underestimate the importance of uh pippa pippa i can never say her same Crera, is it Crera? Crera. But she's an absolute legend. Like the mirror have actually come through for people. But I think again, uh, people only really realise the weight of how how bad things are when they feel it. They have to feel it. And so many people have stories of hardship, and that's it's 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 rubbing salt in the wound. And it also resurfaces the collective trauma we've been going through because the government have totally fucked the pandemic response. It's one of these situations where like depressingly most people don't care about like what 90 95 percent of the issues that get discussed in parliament um or that make it onto page two three four five of of the newspapers it's only as you say uh when when either it touches them or a friend of theirs or they're seriously worried that it might touch them like the prices Mm -hmm. of gas or petrol shortages or then suddenly everyone's like well there's these bloody politicians um and and yeah i suppose labor have have uh made hay um in this period as a result of that um they're actually in pretty good shape at the moment in in my opinion um i was thinking earlier that they've got so they've so starmer did really well today at pmqs um last week i thought rayner did pretty well um and then we've got Emily Thornbury. I caught her on uh, Newsnight earlier on in the week. Um, you love yeah, her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, and then um, Yvette Cooper as well. And um, and I was thinking, like, they, they're looking pretty strong. Uh, and the only thing that I can think of, as, as I sort of touched on before, that could maybe ruin their chances in the run-up to the next general election would be if, if Corbyn broke off and then created this new sort of, you know, I don't want to say far left, but like you know, the left of Labour. Um, do you, do either of you know much about that? Is that likely? I don't know much about it. Um, I think it is probably likely. Um, I, d- I also don't want to overstep my expertise, you know. Um, but I have. There's a lot about the whole Corbyn situation and everything I've discussed about, and I've tried to make it very clear previously. Like, I backed Jeremy Corbyn very strongly when he was when he was in the running and I don't regret that I I think that was the right thing to do at the time what's bothered me is that you cannot have a dissenting opinion about anything to do with Jeremy Corbyn online without being attacked by people and it frustrates me because 
I've made it so clear so many times that I don't idolise or lionise any politician because I'm not a fucking populist. Like, I just yeah. think it's gross. Like, mm. the civil servants, you know, they can do things that I love and I can be like, yes, listen to Angela Rayner telling off Boris Johnson in PMQs and blah, blah, blah. But she's a civil servant. And the thing that frustrates me is all of that has been forgotten in terms of support your hero. And, you know, like... I, I get why people want to back Jeremy Corbyn because he is the face of this revolutionary politics, but I'm so tired of explaining that 46% of the UK, 44% uh, of the UK voted solidly for Tory. Partly strategic because some of the further right parties dropped out to engineer that situation. Mm. But at the same time, that's 56% of the country that would have that voted left, but also splintered their vote for a million different reasons. Now, yeah. I supported Corbyn. I don't think that he is an evil bad guy, but he was not the people's choice and that was done. And I am tired of going over the same fucking thing every time I say anything online, do you know what I mean? Like, Jeremy Corbyn did a lot for the country, brilliant. He had his day in the sun, he was Labour leader, he was sabotaged, it was bad. Now someone yeah. else is Labour leader. And I don't want to go on this merry-go-round forever of hearing about but Jeremy Corbyn, bet you didn't support him. Oh, you're secretly a centrist, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing that really fucks me off is when uh, the other day I called someone far, I said, well, do you know what? You're obviously far left. You're further left than me, aren't you? And they took it as an insult. And I was like, you are literally telling me that you're a socialist. Why is me describing you as what your politics are offensive to you? Because he went off on me and was like, oh, oh, calling me far left. Oh, centrist Mel. And I was like, yeah. you know what? If I am a centrist melt, so be it. I make my peace with that. I know where I stand. I think that I am a moral and decent human being. And if that means that I'm centrist, then fine. If you think that your politics are great and wonderful, thanks for instead of explaining them to me, having a go at me and making me feel like I'm fucking Hitler's son for, <laughs> for having a pragmatic approach to politics, mate. But I don't believe that your politics is the brand that's going to work in this country in the next 20, 20 yeah, 25 I think that's years. The, that's the key thing for me is like, it's, you, you've got to be realistic about what can actually get in power. Like, it's it's nice to be idealistic and it's definitely nice to have your eyes on the prize in terms of the policies and the rights that you would like to see implemented in everyday Britain. That's great. I applaud anyone that has, has their heart in the right place and wants to see this implemented and, and so on. Um, but you you have to accept that a huge chunk of the electorate, a deciding chunk of the electorate, is not ready for whatever reason to hear that. And so your best chance of affecting real change in people's lives is to get behind the sort of centre-left party. And then, I, like I always talk about this stuff when you, us three get together on a podcast, but, but then once you get in power, then you form lobby groups within Labour and you make your yeah. case and you present yeah. it to whoever is is on the committee for xyz and then you know if you do a good job if you negotiate well and you've got the right contacts and so on maybe you get the policy over the line but that is like it, it might sound unlikely like maybe you've only got a 10 percent or 20 percent chance of getting the policy over the line but that is still infinitely closer than standing off in like the sidelines and go like well i'm gonna start my own party and further splinter the left vote and then doom us to another 10 years outside of power because that'll show up you know it's like there's a real fucking annoying ego layer to it it's like you'd rather be the aggrieved guy banished out of power for a decade than the guy who actually was reasonable and worked with you know what i mean Absolutely, think... what you mean, and that's why I kind of uh, got blocked by Owen Jones because I was saying to him, "Well, obviously you're privileged enough to not have to worry about uh, half the shit that the working classes actually have to." Um, and it's kind of like I've always described it as an emergency situation. I've probably even mentioned it on the podcast before, but I have no short-term memory. <laughs> so it's like the hose analogy. It's like the house is burning down. It's a mayday situation. What do you do? Do you put the fire out with the kind of the, the what you've got? Or do you kind of like sit there um, in your beret thinking about how socialist the hose is? Like you've got to you've got to get yourself a bit closer towards um, what you want by taking the realistic available routes. And with the whole Corbyn thing, like I I I as I've said before, doorstepped for him. I got spat at doorstepping for Corbyn. 
I took the abuse. Half of these little keyboard warrior dickheads on Twitter haven't. Like they haven't they haven't been anywhere they haven't been in the battle for like trying to actually get Labour elected. And as Davy said, like I, I'm not a populist. I'm loyal to my party. I'm not not to the point of being tribal. If they did something that was really bad, I would not vote for them, even though I know in first past the post it would fuck us. Like I've got some morality. But um, I'm loyal to the party. So as I was loyal to Corbyn, I'll be loyal to Starmer, who I think is actually a good guy. Like he's a bloody QC. Um, he's he's a decent person. And the um, abuse that's thrown at Angela Rayner is largely misogynistic and classist, even though she's got more in common with the average person down the pub than Johnson has. Um, but we've got a really credible front bench in Labour. What, what Corbyn is doing, let him get on with it. To be honest with you, I think he's petulant, and I say this as someone that campaigned for under Corbyn, that I think that his response to the HRC report was petulant, deliberately, possibly to be made a martyr, so he would uh, get the Jeremy Corbyn, whatever, wherever he goes, because I think he gets off on that. There's an element of ego to him. Um, and, um, you know, comparatively, Starmer is way more working class than Corbyn. Um, he is. He, here's, he literally is. Here's, here's um, a weird question but, for you. Do you think that people lean towards, let's say, a Boris Johnson uh, out of a weird sort of psychological aspiration because they don't want to be seen as working class? So then when they see like an Angela Rayner, then they get kind of a bit classist with her. But like for them, they can't look up to a, a woman who they see as working class. But with a Boris Johnson, then it's an easier move yes. for them psychologically. They want to sort of look up the socioeconomic ladder, as it were. I wonder if there's something to that. That's a... There is, and I think there really is, except what these people don't realise is that meritocracy is an illusion. There's no meritocracy. The hardest working people probably in the world are the poorest. Like, work. this whole work hard, do well ethic does not work when the odds are stacked against you on account of your class. So what people need to realise is that someone like Angela Rayner battling her way to the House of Commons, it, John, for Johnson it was a birthright on account of his class and the school he went to. For Rayner and her circumstances, she's a fighter. Like, she should be massively respected for getting to where she's got to. But again, misogyny's rife. Um, and people fail to realise that um, you don't inherit um, a, a kind of a further rung up the ladder of, um, you know, class. Like, you don't inherit um, it from hard work or anything like that. You inherit it at birth. It's a lottery. Mm. So, that's what I was saying. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important uh, that's what I was saying make. on Twitter earlier. I was like, this is why half of these cunts believe in eugenics. Because <laughs> they just, they don't work hard enough to get where they are. They just get they they make it through a, a mix of networking and nepotism, and so then when you know you corner them and say like, well, hang on a second, why why are you here? You got like C's and GCSE, and then your dad made a call and you you were shoehorned it. Like, how the fuck are you here? Oh, I'm I'm just uh, better. <laughs> like, I've I've explained it before, like as as this weird sort of the way that people look at. People like, I almost feel like people think that it should be someone like Boris Johnson in charge because he's rich, so he must know what to do with money. And it's like, yeah, if I have ten million in the bank, I can live off of the 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 like monthly interest. I literally could. Mm. Money makes money, so Boris Johnson doesn't fucking know mm. what to do with money. But put a fucking put a single mother in charge of 50 quid and see how fucking far she stretches it because she'll make sure every mm. penny counts. Like, exactly. we have everything so backwards in this country. And you look at, I've said it before on this show, like what annoys me is that we're so obsessed with putting people into power who have gone to these rich schools and live disconnected lives where they've never had to worry about money, they've never had to worry about mortgage payments or rent or how to put like clothes on their school kids backs and things like that they've never had to do these things so they don't understand the working class struggle and i like personally and i think as a nation we shouldn't don't want people in power that cannot relate to our daily struggle our lives and all of that and when you listen to them speak in parliament like labor will because labor are the party of the working class they'll be like well 
what what are we going to do about the fact that there's more people in poverty? There aren't as many people in poverty. Oh, okay, mm. we're going to deny it. Okay, that's fine. Like food yeah. banks, food banks. Uh, Thirteen years ago, there were twenty thousand people in the UK, in England using food banks. Now there's over a hundred and thirty thousand people using food banks, and that's not happened because there's more people, and it's not happened because you know, people are lazier these days. It's happened because we have a government in place who think that standing at the dispatch box and going, uh, we've sorted loads of jobs out and uh, we're doing really well, means that that's mm. the truth. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's one of the things that I've been become really obsessed with lately is making the truth accessible to working class people. Mm. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that's hidden behind the paywall of... Um, of being able to go to university and things like that. And I want it to be that there's an easy place to go to to debunk bullshit in Parliament. Because, yeah. you know, like, I mean, first of all, Lindsay Hoyle sucks at the job, but secondly, like, when Boris Johnson stands there and goes, I, I never said that you should have to worry about inflation, it takes Twitter to call yeah. him to account, you know? Yeah. What is that? But all of us, all of us in our group were immediately like, he's just fucking lied, he's just yeah. fucking lied. Like, but the like, you you work a day person doesn't even know that he's at PMQs. Never mind that he's just lied. Like, mm -hmm. it must be put into people's heads that when he lies about things like that, it in a very real way affects how much money comes out of your fucking bank account at the end of the month. It does hurt you, and you have to vote against people that will stand there and deny that you are poorer as money sails yeah. out of your bank account. Yeah, I mean that was fucking gross when he said, "Oh, I I never said." any such thing or I, I forget how he phrased it now but it's like how how did we get in a situation where the british prime minister can literally sit there in the houses of parliament and deny that he said something that he's on tape f fucking saying that's going to affect almost everyone in the uk like I was thinking the other day, like our energy bills here, like we're we're doing okay, we're all right. I don't think we're going to envelope into, you know, financial chaos in, in the next year or two. I don't know, but um, but I was thinking if energy bills go up by like, well, like I heard one guy say about two hundred percent at one point. I was like, well, hang on a second. I mean, that's <laughs> that's significant. So from my perspective, then when I see the Prime Minister in the Houses of Parliament, you know, he's got a, a couple of bits of paper in his hand and someone says, you know, can you explain why you said this when now it's that? And he just goes like, he goes, hold on, I'll do my Boris Johnson impression. He's like, he goes, uh, oh, rubbish. Like that. That And like, I think to a lot of people when they see that, they go, oh, well, he, he wouldn't have said it then because there's no way that you could be a prime minister and sit in the Houses of Parliament and dismiss it like that and say rubbish. It must be Keir Starmer who's got it wrong. And it's... I don't know. It's it's enraging. And they fail to see the kind of strength in Keir Starmer and PMQs too. Like you, the the thing that I hear often, and I listen to LBC almost like religiously, is um, all these people going, "Oh, there's no credible opposition." Yes, there mm. fucking is. Like um, there is. There really is a credible opposition. Um, and they're also people like you look at people like Jonathan Ashworth, who was really open on Twitter about his hardships growing up. These, like, Labour is full of, like, even if, yeah, fair enough, even if you don't like Keir Starmer as a leader, the cabinet is broadly full of people that have lived the life you've lived. They know the hardships you face, and they're far more likely to be closer to implementing policy that will actually help you out of poverty. Um, whereas you've got a, a prime minister that spends £100,000 on a fugly wallpaper um, <laughs> that he just expects some donor to give him and he feels entitled to it. It's not even a permanent residence. Well, yeah. it's definitely not now. But <laughs> it's not, um, it's not even a, he's not even going to see the full term in that place and he's spunked a hundred grand on wallpaper. That's what, three or four times the average salary yeah. in this country. Who, who is more in touch with you? Jonathan Ashworth, who knew what it was like to grow up in poverty. Angela Rayner, who clawed her way up from being like a single mum to getting where she's got to. Um, Keir Starmer, who was a working class guy to working class parents, who, who got himself up to the point of being a bloody barrister, a QC. Like, who do you think represents you more? Yeah. Like, like people coming out of the Eaton factory or people that have lived your life. It's just... 
we need we need to kind of like get this out to people more broadly and i don't i don't really know how to um besides i guess doing what we all do online yeah. <laughs> and it's, but it can be misleading can't it because like you could put a tweet up and it'll get 400 retweets or you know a tiktok and it'll get a thousand likes or something and you think oh wow yeah i've really nailed that point then the next general election is going to be a dead cert now that i've done that tiktok uh and then you that's you remind yourself yeah, oh, hang on a second like basically nobody nobody fucking gives them like what's that stat that i read somewhere it was like 80 percent of people somewhere around that about 80 percent of people on twitter don't tweet uh so it's just it's actually a, a small mm-hmm. fraction of people who make up most of the noise on twitter um and that's what those other say again? people doing then what all those other just people reading. doing just, then? they're just watchers they just flick through they yeah, scroll it's and read. It's a bit creepy. Well, I don't know. I mean, not everyone like I like I like throwing <laughs> together a good, you know, two or three sentence like japer. But not everyone is into that, are they? Like they just, you know, they want to read news, they want to see what their celebrity or favourite celebrity is up to. That's the end of it. Plus there's algorithms, isn't there? Like everything's geared towards what you've always looked at. So like the chances of you reaching someone that like watches the bloody mass singer or something i've got a real issue with the mass singer um anyone that watches something like that they're not necessarily going to get your tweet about the kind of open corruption in government are they no. like they're just yeah it's kind of like a mad echo chamber um one one thing i do think is really funny uh, that's uh, that's even happened this week is so many people back tories blindly and that's never been more clear than everyone's favourite moron Molly May going on someone's podcast and being like, 24 hours in a day, guys, you've got to stay 24 hours in Beyonce. <laughs> and everyone immediately being like, wow, they're just so high, 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 high. And like, like all of us that are politically engaged are like, yeah, that's what Tories think like, and you vote for them and people are like, well, no, cause like when Boris yeah. says it, what? <laughs> Well, because he says it yeah. with a plum in his mouth, like he just—I like—I looked at all of that hatred towards her this week and was like, "And yet you vote the way she does because that's yeah. what you think." Molly May Thatcher was the kind of line that was going. <laughs> um, but to be honest with you, like I, I just think she's just ignorant. Like I don't no. think she was malicious. I think she just doesn't really realise the extent of what she's doing. Like, but I think that that's indicative of a Tory mindset, and that's what yeah. I mean. Like. This is exactly what I mean, because she's never been where I've been, where I've been like, fucking hell, like I've got to buy like three packs of noodles and hope that I don't get hungry for the next three days to pay my rent. She's never been like that. Like she she wakes up in the morning, checks her Instagram DMs and there's three different businesses going, will you stand in front of your camera with this bottle and go, my name's Molly May and I love this bottle. And then throw it away and they give a 10, it's, 10 it's grand, that, you know? It's like... that whole sort of perspective and, and bubble kind of thing. I was, I was talking to somebody on the podcast about this a few weeks ago and uh, I was saying, like, you know, when, when you're, a, let's say, an upper-middle-class kid, you will be tricked into thinking that actually you got where you were out of hard work. And the reason that you, you're tricked like that is because <laughs> your dad, your your daddy, who is, I don't know, a CFO with some fucking FTSE 100 company, will still have the desire to instill a work ethic in you because he doesn't want you to just be a layabout. So what he'll do is he'll say like, yeah, all right, all right. You can go to the X, Y and Z, but you've got to wash my car first, right? And then the kid washes the dad's car and then he gets gifted something that's worth fucking like two grand or five grand or some startup seed money like if you wash my car every day for <laughs> all of the like university holiday i will seed your fucking startup for you oh wow thanks dad but then as far as he's concerned with his perspective he's like yeah i started this company because i worked hard <laughs> that that hard work equals this success so therefore even stevens i don't owe anyone anything and if anyone else wants to make it that's all you got to do. You just got to take take a minute and wash a car or two. Do you know what one of my favourite things is? Like, I love explaining survivorship bias to people because so many people do the, oh, Bill Gates dropped out of school, which he didn't, by the way, mm. uh, and started Microsoft. Actually, Bill Gates' mother worked at IBM and 
pestered one of the lead guys because she had quite a cushy job. She pestered one of the lead guys to invest in Microsoft, and that's how that got started. Um, what's his chops? Uh, Jeff Bezos started Amazon out of his garage, mm, his very fucking large garage that his very yeah. rich parents owned. Um, Elon Musk, Tesla, oh, he's such a genius. Look at the business that he started. Someone else started it and he bought it off them. Mm. Like all of these people, I'm like, hello. But then even better than that, like I used to work with someone who's a right dingus and she kept talking about like YouTubers and stuff that made it. And I was like, the way I explained it was like, for every Molly May out there who sits in front of a camera and goes, hi guys, so today I'm going to try this brand of makeup and, and, and he's really successful because they could do that. There's a thousand girls talking into their camera for 27 views. Mm. And I'm like, you see the one that you see because they are successful, because they get the views. That's why you see them. You don't see the others because they aren't successful. And it's not because they don't work as hard. It's because look. Yeah. And also it's a lot to do with that, that kind of thing. It's a lot to do with beauty standards and also kind of like shilling the capitalist thing, like getting the views for, for selling the product, isn't it? Um, but yeah, one of the things that concerns me, I have to say, is especially when we're talking about things like Johnson and what I hope is the dying conservative party. The thing that really concerns me is the notion of like the kind of sunk cost fallacy where people feel like they've made that investment in something. So they've got to see it through to the bitter fucking end. <laughs> that's the thing that worries me. And that's what you see a lot with um, people like um, kind of Corbynites. I, I think I, I thought the guy was decent until I got kind of like, I mean, horrifically threatened by his followers. Like, I, I, I was 100% behind Corbyn. But, like, I see that kind of sunk cost fallacy in them, like you see in Trump fans, like you see in anti-vaxxers, um, like you see in Boris... Ugh, I yeah. hate calling him Boris, but Boris Johnson fans. Oh, fuck. Oh. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe her delivery just turned up. We'll give her a second. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I've not. I've not been targeted by like Corbynistas uh, as yet. I don't think I've got in in a couple of like actually quite reasonable debates back and forth. What the fuck happened there, Tan? We thought maybe your like a candle had um, set up. My battery um, told me it was dying the moment it died, which was really cool. Um, so it's just like <laughs> your battery is like. Poof, and it fucked up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Good job it wasn't a fire alarm. Oh, just so you know, just so you, keep, there's a fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I can't remember what I was saying. I probably cut off doing some kind of pretentious monologue. I can't remember what I was saying. Somebody's telling me in the chat that they can't hear Davey, which is strange. They can't hear yeah. Davey. But I can see your sound coming through, Davey. That's you want odd. to hear what Davey's saying because he's sexy. Can anyone hear um, uh, Tan when she's talking? Can anyone? Well, I, well, for their sake, I hope not. In a way, <laughs> all sound is back. Oh, okay, that's good. That's that's really. Yay! Um, oh shit! I just took a snapshot accidentally. That's... <laughs> You're obsessed. Why am I such a nan tonight? I don't know what's going on. Cool. What does this button? Yeah. Do? Sorry. In in response to some of the comments, said like I, I'm keeping an eye on them, but like, and if something serious comes up, like we can't we can't oh, fucking hear you. Right. Like then I, I'm I'm jumping on it. But if it's something like, say again. Give us a troll. I'd love. I'd, I'd oh well, love I saw. I saw a meme one a minute ago. Where I think when I was talking about, I can't remember what I was monologuing about, but I went off on a bit of a rant about something, and somebody said, uh, "Aid's monologue went down like a lead balloon." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh," and uh, and then. What the fuck? Did we love you? Like that's bullshit. Yeah, like they don't thanks. know what they're talking about. Yeah, thank you. That's fine. I'm. I was hoping for some more kind of insults, like kind of like, oh. Yeah, I can't. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of chat. There's, it's been free flowing, so I'll scroll back over it afterwards. Oh, are you taking them from the comments now, Aid? Am I what? Are you taking kind of like uh, comments from the chat? Um, not, not really. I like, I quite like when, <laughs> when the three of us chat, and then if I see something interesting in there, then I'll, I'll tap into it. But if it's just like tr so they... trolly stuff, 
Somebody's just called me. <laughs> Somebody's just said Aid is the the cool uncle type, and that I that's my favourite type of trolling is when it's sort of you know a little bit of a cuss, but mostly positive. Tan got something. Tan got something the other day that was negging, and it really reminded me of that weird stalker that I had on TikTok because they put something like, "You have a sadness in your eyes that hurts my soul," and that <laughs> that is the kind of shit that I used to get when I used to purposely troll Donald Trump supporters. I did a video where I made fun of Donald Trump that went super viral and i got this guy who left hundreds hundreds of comments just like you seem sad your soul must be broken you're so lonely i can tell you're alone and i was like who's the one who's leaving a hundred comments at three o'clock in the morning you fucking spoon (laughs) you just spoon i love trump comments like what they don't realize is that i laugh my fucking ass off at them like and even even if they are kind of like threatening it's just like well Okay, let's go hand to hand. Mother <laughs> go. I've had, I had a great one that I screenshotted it as well, like uh, because I pissed off the uh, Nigel Farage fans, mm. and I just, Ooh. I just, I just got a guy inboxing me, calling me a nonce. So I replied with, "Is there a particular reason that you're calling me a nonce?" And he just said, "Nonce." So I just screenshotted it and posted it, and I went one, two, three, four, five, and went on his profile, and he blocked me, and I was like. Honestly, they they don't think trolls realise the joy they bring to my heart because I have no basic respect for them, so Mm. it means nothing to me. (laughs) Like, literally, like I think if there's any trolls watching us lot, us three are in a kind of political chat group. We share them and we laugh at you. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just like dick pics, you know. Women will laugh at what you're offering us. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not having any impact. No. (laughs) What was? Where was it? It's funny, like, I, I my, my least favourite type of trolling is when, <clears throat> or, or maybe it's my most entertaining type of trolling. I, like, when, when I, I do a TikTok and then somebody will say something like, yeah, well, you're a fucking cock. And I'll just go like, <laughs> like, I'll say like, oh, if, like, if you think this is bad, you should see my Twitter. Like, I'll try and sort of turn it round yeah. and like, make it a little bit fun, you know, just play with it a little bit. And then they go like, well, no, I wouldn't look at your Twitter because you're a dickhead like that. It's like, well, now, now well, you're just boring me. Like, let's let's move on. Yeah, just be original. Come on. Yeah. John left of the countryside. His 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 um comeback is always brilliant because he'll like someone will say something really horrible to it and he'll go, "What's your favourite kind of muffin?" <laughs> Do you know what? As well, I tried that for a week. I tried that with my friends, and it was so funny. I got I got a guy on Twitter, um, and he was like, "Well, you're just a fucking woke lefty tosser." And I was like, "What's your favorite kind of sandwich?" And he he like he put he put, "What do you mean?" I was like, "What's what's your favorite type of sandwich?" And he was like, "Uh, chicken mayo." I was like, "All right, why chicken mayo?" And he was like, "Don't know really. It's just something about it." And I was like. This is how little attention you pay into the argument. You've you've stopped calling me a work tosser and you've started giving me a lunch menu. It completely disarms them and like it completely turns it around. But mind you, age, you're being very diplomatic there. Normally, I see like ravenous <laughs> your mum jokes. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. Right, so I have that that angle also where I'm like, if you if you come into the comment section and you're bringing stupidity, just just base level stupidity then i also sort of reserve the right to just toss a fucking your mum grenade joke in there and then <laughs> screenshot it they can be good fun but it, it entirely depends on whether i have one like in my arsenal if there's if there's something there where i'm like oh, that would have that that would amuse 13 year old me you know mm. well that's 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 the best way to deal with them because these people aren't there for a kind of life-changing political discussion are they they're there to kind of like so playing them at their own game, I don't think there's any harm in it. No. And think, just getting your own amusement out of the situation is all that matters in that situation. I think that's the thing, you know, like I watched, there's a really good creator on TikTok and I can't remember her name, um, but she she did a video recently where she was talking about women who go on misogynists' podcasts to try and like beat them down. Those men have already decided that they hate women, so they're bringing you on so they can laugh at you. And you could go on and present a 15-point argument about how women are the superior sex, and and they'll they'll just be like, "Well, you're a bitch," you know. There's no point. There's there's no 
there's no value in trying to bring something substantive to it. Mm. If you're going to go on that kind of podcast, go on and be like, is this all because you've got a small dick? It is. Show it. Go on, show, show, us, show us your dick. <laughs> if, if, if you've not got a small dick, show us the dick. Come on. Is that what it is? Are you afraid? You won't show us the dick. It must be small. Because it. it's small. Because... Show what? us the dick. Because what's the point? What's the point in engaging people in a substantive discussion if they're not even willing to entertain it? And that's it. There's a lot about that, you know, like I I know that on Twitter in particular I come across as very I'm not gonna change my mind about this, but it's I don't just like throw out a tweet and then go and stick a finger up my bum for ten minutes. Like I, <laughs> I think about things before I post them. Well, yes, I do actually, I'm not gonna lie. Well some some days, but talking of tiny dicks, can we talk about very briefly, if that's okay, Aid, like the, the turd that never flushes uh, Farage popping up um, again and again. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, like, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm kind of like becoming the host briefly, but what do you, how how much of a concern do you think Farage is? Like, I'd be interested to actually hear what you think about well, that because... I, from what I understand, his public profile at the moment starts and ends at flying over to be with a tennis star millionaire's family when he's got no real dog in the race in terms of why he should be involved in that so it, it to me it sort of smacks of griftery uh absolutely i don't know if yeah. he's recently threatened like his 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 stock threat slash um uh, catchphrase that he always wheels out maybe every six months or one year is that he's like if if the conservative party or if this party or if this happens then i might have to make a return to frontline politics i'm just like bitch you've never fucking been elected fuck off like like never so i'm not i'm not too threatened or worried about whether he rears his head again i feel like he'll continue to be some sort of campaigning racist on the sidelines but i don't think he'll I can't imagine him starting another Brexit party or being really majorly involved in... Is it the Reform Party now they've rebranded as? Oh, there was the Reform Party. And then he tried to do the anti-lockdown party. And then he decided to go out to serve, to be with, like, Novak's uh, Jocko Wanker's family, yeah. um, even though he spent loads of time trying to deport people from Eastern Europe yeah. uh, from the UK. So, yeah, it is. he's the absolute textbook... Um, example of a grifter and I don't know about you guys but I get called a grifter on Twitter by um, people that also call me centrist melt yes, quite all the time. Um, and I want those people to know that if we wanted to if I wanted to grift I would I would sell my underwear to businessmen like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go into politics in which I become grey greyer by the day I lose, as I was saying to Davey last night, I lose my collagen. I lose, all my <laughs> I lose everything, dude. Like, being in being like commentating on politics is not a way to make money. It's a way to to, to gain heart disease. It's it's like <laughs> it's not a grift unless you're someone like Farage, um, who for whatever inexplicable reason um, conned loads of people simultaneously. I'm not trying to con anyone. I'm trying to make the country better for uh, loads of people. I just... In answer to your question, the problem with Nigel Farage is that he's as much of a threat as the media allows him to be, because if you look at how much he was platformed during the run-up to the referendum, he was fucking everywhere. Like, I was, at one point, I was vaguely surprised when I went for a shit and he didn't pop up out of the blue and go, no, I've been talking about how many Eastern Europeans came today. Like, it was ridiculous. And like, <laughs> If the media didn't platform him, he would be a nobody who just shouts angrily at nothing on Twitter. But again, it's like waking people up to the fact that they're supporting their own worst enemy. Like, mm. so Nigel's. Let's let's just lay one particular thing down that's happened this week, right? For the last seven years, Nigel Farage has exclusively said the British immigration system is shit, it's terrible, it's too easy, lets people in at the drop of a hat, it's ridiculous, we should adopt an Australia-style immigration system. This week, the Australian immigration system has said, you can't come in because you've not done what we want. And Nigel Farage has been so angry that he's flown across the world to throw a fucking tantrum about it. Like, yeah. So for seven years, you tell us to enact this thing, then this thing is enacted and you freak out. Like, that's how much your word is worth. You will drop the semblance of morals that you have, like the the very few values that you cling to for the sake of getting on TV, looking like the fucking bad guy out of Who Framed Roger Fucking Rabbit. 
like that's how much of a twat you are nigel like and people just need to realize it this man is an absolute dickhead like there is no value in his words it just isn't but he will continue to be in uh, like a major figure that's invited on like question time and like how fucking depressing is that like never been elected obvious grifter his cameo profile is probably the most lucrative part of his financial portfolio. Like, why why are we wheeling him out onto Question Time every other weekend? But he will. Because he's he, he's the palatable underdog. And it's another rich, disconnected person who is sold as your mate down the pub because that's oh, what he yeah. does. And, like, it cracks me up. Like, I've seen, fo- I've seen aerial photos of his house and you could fit my flat into his house about 25 times. Like The guy doesn't know what it's like to live your life. Stop letting him tell you it. That's been my main point the last week. Like, Stop allowing people that don't live your life to dictate to you what to be angry about because they don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. And people like Nigel Farage rigging votes and people like Boris Johnson changing laws and taking away freedoms are more of a threat to me than fucking Hannah Humad, the, the fucking absolutely knackered woman who's managed to get here on a boat from fucking france after a, a massive tiring journey she's never even i don't i'm not i don't even know who she is or where she lives i don't give a shit whereas nigel farage tangibly has taken away a literal right from mm. me with his campaigning yeah and that's the thing that people need to realize is that now the people that are in the kind of erg extremist version of um, the conservative party the kind of that kind of faction they are basically a bunch of Nigel Farage's except cuntier um, with more power, infinitely more power. So they've got um, his kind of divisive views and they've got that kind of Reesmog disaster capitalist. I mean, Reesmog's dad, like I did that video where it, it showed that Reesmog's dad essentially wrote the book on the decline of the welfare state mm. and uh, disaster capitalism. They're the people now that you've got behind Johnson because he got rid of all of his moderates um, you've essentially got a bunch of Nigel Farage's with power and that is what terrifies me about the, the kind of situation we're ending up in but they don't have the kind of populist sway of um, Farage um, they've not got the ability that kind of like used car um, salesman vibe yeah, about them yeah so. you've got your Desmond Swains and you've got your Marc Francois. Oh, Weird guy, yeah, but they're not, they're uh, fundamentally not likable people. I don't think people like rally no. behind Francois and Swain the way that they do with Farage. Like, I've got no. seemingly intelligent friends who actually quite like Nigel Farage, but they don't <laughs> like a lot of these ERG Tories, which is something to be grateful for, at least. That, that's a kind of like that's something to aim for isn't it but um guys yeah we need to, to wrap this up we've been uh, we've been gassing away for an hour so um thank you both for for joining me tonight thank you very much to everybody that's been watching the stream um i will endeavor to put the uh the the audio version up on itunes and spotify as soon as i can apologies for some of the audio issues earlier on in the podcast um i'll be back on friday night talking about teleporting uh with a journalist who's worked for wired so stay tuned to my twitter for that um if you'd like to support the podcast um i'm on patreon it's patreon.com slash aid thompson um don't forget to like and subscribe and all the other stuff that people say at the end of the podcast thank you so much <laughs>